Children's Church at this time. The rest of us, let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. And our theme this year has been that except you become, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that we are to be followers of God as dear children. And uh, one thing that we all understand about children, uh, there are times when they are not so dear. Amen? Uh, uh, they're wonderful, uh, but uh, they're, uh, uh, there come times where it gets difficult. And discipline is no easy or simple task. If it was, everyone would do it. And uh, yet we uh, have to help to, the Bible says, to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And uh, the truth of the Bible cannot be improved upon. And as we go through this year, we're just almost through the first quarter. It's hard to believe. Uh, the first quarter of this year will be up in two more Sundays. We'll, we'll be starting. Uh, then comes tax season. How many of you looking forward to that? Oh, just love it. And, uh, uh, but the truth of the matter is here. Uh, this morning what I'd like to preach on is the legacy of a child. We have many people trying to figure out their place in this world. And if we were all honest, every one of us have dreamed that uh, we would reach some level of recognition in this world somewhere. Uh, That when it comes time for us to pass from this life into the next, that there would be somebody there that would have some nice things to say about us. Uh, I mean... And there's nothing wrong with thinking about that, but I would challenge you, if you will at least look at the examples that we have from uh, politics in in recent history, is those men who were seeking for such a legacy were often denied it. And those who were not seeking for special recognition upon them, uh, we have given some of the greatest. You look at President Abraham Lincoln. He, he did not seek the presidency so that he could start the Civil War, contrary to some historians. Uh, his entire goal was not to free the slaves. Yes, he hated slavery. His goal was to preserve the Union. If you understand that, you can read past a lot of the revisionist history in the books. And yet, really, Abraham Lincoln is the president who has made America what it was from the Civil War right up until uh, another presidency, FDR, who completely, again, changed the face of America. We could say some of our greatest accomplishments were there in the in the America that was made and uh, by Abraham Lincoln. And as we go through our Bible, we find this story here. And we don't even have a name. 
This is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. I, I love the Bible stories. That's why we spend time in Sunday school going through them. That's why on Sunday nights we are working on a harmony or a the putting the testimonies of the four uh, Gospels together. Uh, when you're all done, uh, you'll have outlines there that you could read through all four Gospels. And by the way, I found... Uh, uh, a, a PDF copy, if you have uh, the ability to read a, a PDF book. It was printed in the uh, 1890s, I believe, or 70s. Uh, but uh, 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 where it has the text of our King James Bible, all four of them together, and you can read what we call the parallel passages here. The feeding of the 5,000 other than the resurrection of Jesus, is the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. Uh, There are many miracles that are recorded, but uh, Jesus had a lot of overlap. How many blind eyes did Jesus open during his three-and-a-half-year ministry? How many lame did he make to walk? How many deaf did he make to hear? And, And all of these things that Jesus did. But I'll tell you, the story of the feeding of the 5,000 has a very interesting connection to it because after the feeding of the 5,000, if you'll read uh, John's account primarily, uh, they wanted to make Jesus the king. You know what? They, they didn't have that reaction after many miracles that Jesus did. But... Uh, When this one was done, Jesus in John chapter 6 says he perceived that they would come by force and make him a king. And why did they do that? Not because they wanted a Savior. Most of the Jewish people thought that they already had a relationship with God and they didn't need a Savior. What they wanted was freedom from Rome and somebody to take care of them. In fact, if you want to understand something, uh, you'll hear a lot of talk about Antichrist, and we believe that he is coming. Yea, uh, I have every confidence that he is alive and living among us right now. We just do not know who he is. He will be revealed in God's time. But the religion of Antichrist is going to be this. He Antichrist is going to take care of me. Boy, doesn't that fit today's headlines? Isn't that what we're all looking for? We're looking for someone to take care of us. Uh, I remember a town hall meeting when, when uh, uh, I believe it was under President Obama, but uh, he was talking about the what is now called Obamacare, and and somebody stood up, an adult, a man, and said. Are you going to take care of us? You know what? When I was just a little boy, my mama had a serious talk with me. And she said, you know something? You're getting big enough to take care of yourself. I'm not doing it anymore. You're going to have to learn to take care. How many of you have had that conversation with your parents? I mean... uh, uh, that is that is something that we're supposed to do. Now, we understand that 
We have to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is so difficult sometimes to see, to, to, to illustrate as a preacher how we're supposed to let the Lord Jesus do everything, and yet we're supposed to be doing something. And this story here, I believe, if we will just look at this unnamed lad, I think we can see some things. And I want to tell you, he is the most famous unnamed lad in history. He's recorded in the Bible. How many people have referenced the five loaves and the two fishes and, and, and the little boy's lunch? And how many times, even in non-biblical speaking, when, when we have a very little to get something great done with, we talk about the little boy's lunch. That, the, the English language is shaped by this book called the Bible. And if you're going to communicate in English, you're going to, you would do best to learn how to read this old King James Bible because it's going to help you. Uh, you're going to be able to communicate. You're going to be able to understand something. And so let's take just a few minutes here and let's start in Mark chapter 31, 6. Mark chapter 6 verse 31, why don't we back up one more to verse 30. It says, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart, (coughs) excuse me, into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Just the context. Jesus had sent the twelve out on their preaching uh, circuits throughout Galilee. Two by two, six groups of two. They had gone out into all the villages, all the areas there, and Jesus had followed them. And then they came back and they reported to Jesus. The apostles of John were there, the disciples of John the Baptist who had just been killed by Herod, were reporting these things. And Jesus, uh, the Mark tells us that there was not so much leisure as to eat. There were so many people coming, going, talking. It was busy. How many of you have ever just been so busy that you couldn't even take care of getting something to eat? Uh, uh, Most of us call it multitasking. We're eating while we're doing something else. Don't talk on the phone and eat. People hear it. Uh, just, just a little aside there. Uh, and Jesus tells the disciples, let's go to a desert area. And what he meant by that was a deserted area. A place that wasn't inhabited. Uh, a place where there were no people living. And, and uh, he was taking them uh, just not all the way across the sea, but just around the corner there of the Sea of Galilee in verse 32. And he looked round about, I'm sorry, my page flipped there, and they departed into a desert place by ship privately. Now, Jesus got the disciples and they kind of just snuck out one by one quietly, not to draw attention. And there they all were on the ship. Verse 33, And the people saw them departing. Ah, you just can't sneak anywhere, can you? Not with the Lord Jesus. And 
Many knew him and ran a foot thither out of all the cities and outwent them and came together unto him. Now, you got to get the picture here. Jesus is not sailing out of sight on the Sea of Tiberias. He's just kind of rounding the corner here. And, and the people come out that, hey, there goes Jesus right there. That's him and the disciples. And all of a sudden, the multitude starts coming together. The Passover was near. And, and so you would have a lot of traveling people. And, and they can see the ship in the sea. And they're following on land this massive group of people. It says, and they outwent them. And as Jesus kind of just rounded the corner there in the cove and came in, they were going apart to get a rest. And there was the multitude waiting for them, cheering, Yay, we made it! We beat you! Now, wouldn't that be enheartening to you? We're going to get a rest and have, we, as we read our text, we'll find there are about 5,000 men. That could have easily been a crowd of 12,000 people. I read one guy, he said between 12 and 20. Uh, we, we do not know the group, but we do know there were at least 5,000 men. Easily could have been double or triple that number. Uh, total attendance, and they were going to be alone with 12,000 other people. Oh, don't you just love the irony and the... But look at verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Now, if you'll read in the book of Luke, it tells us that he also healed them that were uh, in need of healing. And so, Jesus began this process of teaching and healing all day long. And we come to the next verse here, verse uh, 35. And when the day was now far spent, now we're talking about... Three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon, the end of the day was 6 p.m. And uh, it says, the day was now far spent. His disciples came unto him and said, this is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? And if you read John's account, it says Jesus knew in himself what he would do, that he addressed this question to Philip. And Philip was somewhat of a mathematician. Two hundred penny worth, that is two-thirds to three-quarters of a year's wages. Now, stop and think about that. If you were to uh, make uh, $50,000 a year, you're talking, uh, what would that be, about $35,000, $40,000? You know what, you could, well, not in New York, you couldn't cater 5,000 people for 
Uh, but you could come pretty close to taking care of that group. I mean, it's not an unrealistic figure. It, it wouldn't be uh, surf and turf, definitely. But, I mean, everybody could eat for that. Uh, but they found a lad who had a lunch. You know what? A young boy. Maybe 10 years old, 12 years old. Certainly just a face in the crowd. Uh, One commentator said that the lad must have belonged to the group of the disciples. I think someone even suggested it may have been uh, a very young John Mark, the writer of the Gospel of Mark, who had been along with Jesus. But the Bible does not substantiate any of that. It just said he was a young boy that was there in the crowd. Now, I want you to stop and think about something. How had the crowd gotten there? They had left the cities and he had wandered with the crowd several miles. How many of you have ever just walked five miles to get somewhere? I mean, stop and think about that. This was more than likely an eight, ten mile walk. I remember one time, uh, back before I was married, I was actually trying to repair one of Brother Clayton's trucks. And a guy had promised us that we could use his garage. So I put the truck in the garage and started work on it. And he says, I'll pick you up tomorrow morning. He didn't pick me up. I had to walk from where I was staying to the garage. It was 10 miles. And uh, I'm just sitting there going, this is ridiculous. I'm losing all this time and I, I'm going on. I get there and I walk in and the guy said, oh, I was supposed to pick you up. Well, you're here. <laughs> get to work. We'll see you later. I mean, that was the end of the conversation. But I, I will tell you, that, that is quite an accomplishment in and of itself. And this boy followed the group. He was there. He watched Jesus as he healed, as he taught all day. And now it's getting on toward evening. And here's what I wonder. Jesus had told the disciples, you give them to eat. Now, what were the disciples doing? Huddle, guys. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Let's figure this out. And Philip's over there figuring it out. And he goes back and reports to Jesus that he couldn't do it for uh, two-thirds of a year's salary. And what are they supposed to do? And Andrew comes up and says, we got a little boy here with a lunch. What good's that going to do? And by the way, what good with a boy's lunch? I mean... It says five barley loaves, and of course, when we think of loaf, we think of loaf of bread. But what kind of boy would it be that carried five loaves of bread uh, for lunch? And by the way, two small fishes wouldn't, wouldn't even deal with one loaf of bread. What we're talking about here is five soda crackers and a couple of sardines would be basically the lunch uh, that this boy carried. More than likely, it was dried fish. Uh, I'm sure they didn't have cans in those days. I, I like sardines in the can. 
But have you ever seen that dried fish at the store? They have it there. It just sits there and looks like it's been there for uh, 25 years. And I, I haven't had enough uh, <clears throat> uh, desire to try that stuff out. I, I imagine it's okay. It's in the store. People buy it. But here's what this little boy had. And they gave it to Jesus. I want you to think about the little boy. No name, no family. I'm sure he had a family and had a name, but we don't have it. He was just there. This would have been a normal lunch. He, I, I wonder in my mind if I can use just a little imagination if the little boy didn't hear the disciples talking. What are we going to do to feed all these people? Where are we going to get food for all these people? Hey, mister, do you need food? Yeah, yeah, we're, Jesus told us we're supposed to feed everybody and we have nothing. I got lunch. You can have it. I mean, does that sound too far out of the realms of reality? It doesn't to me. I mean, I don't really see the disciples walking around. You have any food to give? I mean, they were Baptists, but they weren't that bad yet. Uh, so, uh, the, the simple truth was, he was there. He had a lunch. Every one of us, as soon as you think about a bag lunch, a sack lunch, who do you think about? Mama. Mama makes bag lunches. I remember when I was in second grade, I said, Mom, I'm in second grade. I need two sandwiches. And so she gave me two sandwiches. And so I went, I thought I'd try that again. I went back and said, now I'm in third grade. You still get two sandwiches. And uh, so I imagine the little boy there had something that his mother had. But uh, I want you to understand something as we look at this story there would be no story without the little boy's lunch. I mean, practically, this story centers around the little boy's lunch, doesn't it? But let's talk about the legacy. Let's talk about what the little boy did. He just showed up. And he just gave what he had. Who did all the work? Jesus did the main work, didn't he? Through the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus performed a miracle and he started breaking up that, those crackers and, and uh, somebody said, where did the baskets come from? That's what I want to know. Well, when you get to heaven, you can ask Jesus and I'm sure he'll let you know. Amen. Uh, the Bible says we will know as we are known up there, so you won't have to worry about trying to figure things like that out. Someone came up with the story. Well, when they saw the selflessness of the young boy, everybody took the food that they had brought with them and passed it out. And it really wasn't that much of a miracle. Well, I'll tell you what, you've got to stretch your text there. Because the disciples had already been through the crowd and they said, nobody has anything to eat. Stick with your Bible. Amen? Don't, don't let foolishness of men try to explain away the miracle working power of Almighty God. Jesus 
divided the people into groups. He told the disciples, you get everybody to sit down and let's stop and think about a crowd of 12,000 people sitting down in groups of 50, groups of 100. Well, that would be 120 groups of 100 people to get 12,000. I got my calculator out and made sure I did it right. Well, you divide 120 by 12, and what do you get? Ten groups. You know what? You could walk through ten groups and pass a basket and, and get food out. That could happen extremely fast, could it not? I mean, this is not a mathematical impossibility. This is something that could be done. But I will tell you this, those disciples who were looking for a break to come apart alone all by themselves and rest and just listen to Jesus taught, they were moving. Uh, they weren't just standing and saying, here, take this. I mean, they, they only had three or four minutes per group to pass that basket around. And I mean, people were grabbing food and and all of these things, and they then Jesus gave instructions for them to go out and gather up all the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost, and they came up with 12 baskets extra. You know what? All the little boy did was eat his own lunch. Is that very complicated? I mean, all he did was he gave his lunch to the the apostles, the disciples. They gave it to Jesus. And then he sat down with the people and he got his lunch back. And uh, probably if he uh, was, uh, he, he probably got just about as much food as he would have brought with him. Uh, maybe a little more, who knows? But you know what these stories are in here about? These stories are real living illustrations of what actually happened in people's lives. Jesus is interested in one thing. If you look through his ministry, if you look through what he said and what he did, Jesus was always interested in only one thing. What is going on in your heart. That's what Jesus was interested in. Can we say amen to that? You know, there were people that were sitting here in this group that looked very religious and very correct. There were probably some of the scribes and the Pharisees, who knows, in the group. There were many people there. The disciples were there. Jesus was there. And Jesus had told the disciples, we don't even have freedom to eat our own food, so let's, let's take a break. And 12,000 people showed up for dinner. That doesn't sound like much of a break. The disciples had a pretty rotten attitude through the whole thing. If you go down in Mark chapter 6 to verse 52, it says... For they consider not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. That was after Jesus put them in the boat and let them spend the whole night rowing halfway around back to Tiberias. So 
He could scare the living daylights out of him walking on the water. I, I just love that story, don't you? And it wasn't until they all got back in the boat and were at the land that they came that they got out of the boat and they worshipped Jesus. You see, isn't that what Jesus is interested in? The greatest accomplishment you can fulfill with your life is to use it to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what we're trying to do. I mean, that's why we're assembled here together as a church this morning. The Bible tells us that the church is the body of Christ, that we serve Him together through our effort in the church. And that's why we encourage that, that you would be saved first and then baptized and become a member of the church to be a part of this body and to serve God at the direction of the Bible. The people who were there, at first, they just wanted to be with Jesus, so they ran out of the thing. Then they got healed, and so that was a wonderful thing. And then they got fed, and they decided that, hey, we could do this every day. That would really be cool now, wouldn't it? Uh, Jesus, just feed us. Uh, somebody will show up with a lunch. We'll have everything taken care of. And that's what John chapter 6 is all about, Jesus arguing with those people who would make him king. By the way, when Jesus does become the king and ruler of this earth, are you going to help him? No. Jesus will do that all on his own. Thank you very much. He doesn't need a church or an organization to do anything. Jesus will take care of it himself. Now, I want us just to think about a few things. The only two guys, the only two people in this whole story that had their hearts right and were walking with God was Jesus and the little boy. Would you agree with me on that? Oh. It was just Jesus and the little boy. And I want to ask you today, how much did the little boy do to become the center and the physical provider, humanly speaking, of this great miracle? Because Jesus did take his lunch and perform this great miracle. He did take something. You know, I believe that this is a living illustration of how God wants us to live the Christian life. How many are you starting to see the, the parallels here? Can you see how the, we can understand a little bit more of how to live for Jesus if we would only be willing to be a little bit more like the unnamed lad in our story? Now, that's not aspiring to greatness, my friend. But can you think of another unnamed lad in all of history that is more famous than the one in our story today? More talked about? More referenced? 
even by people who really don't believe that much about the Bible, they still talk about this story just like David and Goliath. Do they not? And so as we understand something here, only Jesus and the lad had their hearts and their attitudes right with God. Jesus was leading the disciples where he knew. He understood. He already knew as God this whole story and everything was going to take place on this day. That's why he put the disciples in the boat and went to the desert place. He knew the people would follow him. But let me ask you a question. Did the little boy have any idea what was going to happen to him that day? Go like this or like this. I see a lot of this. I'm agreeing with you. I don't think the little boy had any idea what was going to happen to him that day. He just knew one thing. I want to hear Jesus. I said, well, what about the lunch? Well, someone said that that little boy had more sense than most of the adults there and took a lunch with him. Well, I don't know very many little boys that aren't thinking about food. As, as we're clearing the breakfast dishes and putting them in the, in the sink or whatever, what's for lunch? Uh, isn't that normally the way it works? Uh, uh, little boys like to eat, and that's good. That's a good thing. There was food to eat. Could I just challenge you that this little boy's lunch was so normal a part of our story that God doesn't take time to explain it. Would you agree with me there? And do you think that based upon the life of this unnamed lad being there, the only thing that he wanted to do was to hear Jesus or see Jesus and he ended up there carrying a little lunch that if you'll start out with the same heart attitude that the little boy had, that you'll probably find yourself in the place where God wants you to be with the very thing that God wants to use to do the miracles. Why is it so quiet this morning? I mean, you do have to think about that. But could this not be a living illustration of Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. How many stories are in the Bible about God taking something, a very little thing, a normal thing that they would have? He started out with Moses, and he said, what is that in thy hand? Moses said, it's a rod, it's a stick. And what did God do with that thing? Divided the Red Sea. Used it as a warning to Pharaoh and the armies of Pharaoh drowned when he put it down. He took that stick in Horeb and smote the rock and water came out picturing Jesus Christ. Then he misused it, didn't he? He smote the second rock when all he was supposed to do was to speak. 
And God said, hey, Moses, that, that was childish, but that was not childlike. And you're not getting into the promised land because of it. God does not put up with temper tantrums. And I wonder how often we go through life not even thanking God for the fact that our proverbial lunch, if we can use that as an illustration, is already in our hands. How many times do we misuse that? You know, that little boy had every right to just sit down there in the midst of all those people and go, I don't know what you're going to do, but my mom gave me a lunch. That, that's what would happen today. Is it not? You see, he was in the right place with something absolutely normal and so mundane that even the disciples were like, this is ridiculous. I mean, what are we going to do with a little lunch? And then Jesus performed a miracle and fed 5,000 men plus women and children with five soda crackers and two sardines. Now, if I were to ask you a question, how many of you would like to see Jesus work a miracle in your life? I would think every hand would go up. I mean, and and if I were to ask this morning, how many of us need Jesus to work some miracles in our life? I'm pretty sure almost every hand would go right up again. You see, Jesus is still in the miracle working business. And he doesn't need Benny Hinn and a pack of TV cameras to get it done. Amen? In fact, when Jesus does the miracles, he does them just like he did here in our story today. He takes something so ordinary and mundane that people don't even believe that it's part of the miracle working process. And he works such a great miracle because the goal of everything that Jesus does, he is to reveal what's going on in the hearts of people there But he is doing what he does to receive worship from those who are willing to recognize Jesus for who he is. That's why we call this a worship service. Amen. Now this morning the challenge is as plain and simple as I can. Do you realize that if you are sitting here today... And you are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You've been born again the Bible way. The greatest miracle in all of history has already been done in your heart and life. You know, sometimes we get so used to being saved, we forget what a great work it was to get us saved. Can we say amen to that? And then we have some other little bump in the road come up or some other problem. And I I will tell you that uh, it has been, last several weeks have just been 
almost insane. Just this and that and this and that and uh, just concerned about so many things in so many different directions. And as I begin working on this sermon, it's like, okay, the great and knowledgeable Pastor Montoro, take a seat, shut up. Stop thinking about who you are and just look to see Jesus. Don't try to accomplish something great for God. Just try to give Him what you have. What do you have? Maybe you can identify with the Apostle uh, uh, Peter and John at the beautiful gate. Silver and gold have I none. Well, if you don't have it, God's not asking for it, my friend. I've told the story many times about the old farmer and the preacher went to visit him. And uh, he said, now, now, John, if you had a million dollars, would you give God half of it? He said, well, well, preacher, yeah. He said, if, if I had a million dollars, I'd give God half of it. He said, now, John, if you had two pigs, would you give one of them to the Lord? He said, preacher, that ain't fair. He says, you know I have two pigs. And that's where we are, is it not? We are so selfish in our day and time that we would take what God has put in our hand and what He seeks to do the miracles with and just sit down while everybody else has got all their problems and eat our own lunch. I mean, we're great. We live in a city where we know how to ignore everybody. Isn't that true? And if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing to the Lord Jesus Christ. He had the lunch. God made sure he had the lunch. But only the little boy could turn loose of the lunch so Jesus could do the miracle. Let's just look at one more verse very quickly here, and we'll be done. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 10. As every man hath received the gift. Even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever. And ever, and all God's people said, I want to challenge you that anyone in this room could live 
the legacy of the unnamed boy in our story. But first of all, you've got to want to be where Jesus is. Second, once you get there, you've got to turn loose of what you have. Now, I could get real specific and start looking around at people and saying, how about you turn loose of what you got? I hope that the Holy Spirit will do that for me. I, I don't like picking on individuals, and by God's grace, I've never walked into this pulpit looking at somebody in the audience saying, they're going to get it today. I don't believe that's the attitude in the heart of a preacher of the gospel. But this morning's message could touch every one of us because you know what you're holding on to. You know what blessings of God that he has given you that you're keeping for yourself instead of just giving them back to Jesus who gave it to you. The Christian life is surrender. The true Christian life is anonymity. The greatest service for Jesus is when Jesus gets all the credit. And you know what? There were some people there that got fed by the fed. They were part of the 5,000. And the only thing they could think about was themselves. Jesus, you need to feed us every day. Religion of Antichrist, not the religion of Christ. Still together? The disciples... I love the fact that Jesus is still willing to scare him half to death, spend the whole night. Jesus stayed up all night too because he wanted the disciples. He had to shake them a little bit because they'd gotten used to being with Jesus. But I want you to think about that little boy as he walked home. Mom, you're not going to believe what God did with my lunch. She said, stop making up big stories, son. That's not possible. Until she started hearing the reports from all the neighbors who probably didn't even know it was her son's lunch that had done the miracle. How many of you would say, Lord, you make me a little bit more like the unnamed lad in the story. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord.